At Sisu, we take a very scientific approach to making sure our technologically advanced, doctor-developed, scientifically-backed, industry-changing mouthguards are the most protective, lightest, talkable, breathable, comfortable, drinkable, remoldable mouthguards on the planet to guarantee you're protected. <clears throat> no matter what comes your way, the Sisu Next Gen. Sisu. Talk. Breathe. Drink. This call is being recorded. Uh, it's welcome to the show. We're back in 902. Not so bad for those who are sticklers for the 9 a.m. starts. We're getting a bunch of texts and tweets right now. AT, have you ever had Chinese food in the morning after 1994? <laughs> was it within the last five years? From the fridge, Chinese food that you had the previous night. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was debating on it this morning. It was staring me in the face. And I was like, should I or should I not? So it goes in my mouth and right out the back. <laughs> More efficient with your time, right? Uh, that is very, very true. You've been on silent, by the way, uh, the whole time. Because uh, I, I forgot to raise your mic. That's right. uh, so AT has had uh, Chinese food within the last five years. And uh, he said uh, that I should eat it on the toilet this morning. So. <laughs> right. Yeah. Just go in there. Just sit down. Just get your just phone set. Hang in there, right? right. Uh, so we're going to wait a couple more minutes. Uh, I, I guess the, the feedback we're getting, AT, is that we start the show a little too fast. And so we should uh, wait a couple minutes. And so that's why uh, I kind of... I'm waiting and stalling here so that I can tweet out Mixler.com slash lacrosse all-stars here so people can tune in. I'm going to quote this. We're live. Let's go. Um, so AT, uh, big news last weekend, and it has nothing to do with division one lacrosse has nothing to do with the all Americans has nothing to do with the Tawarton, has nothing to do with new hires, potential job selections has nothing to do with the scores or the blowouts in the quarterfinals, but it does have something to do with a blowout in high school lacrosse. Yeah. Last week. Brother Rice played a, let's just say, inferior opponent and beat them 41 to nothing. 41 to nothing. Oh, my God. <laughs> who, did they play? who did they play? Anchor Bay. Now, there's a lot of talk right now that the MHSA or something like that, some, basically the Michigan, oh, Jesus. 
basically the Michigan High School Athletic Association um, puts a lot of teams in the playoffs, and this team was had a losing record, uh, ends up in the playoffs. And for all accounts, this game wasn't as poor sportsmanship than people think. I guess there were posts that said that the Anchor Bay families thought that they actually believe it or not, did a decent job in, in trying to run plays, trying to do their thing. But the reality is is when you're a coach and you're even a player, there are optics to deal with. And no matter what you do, 41 to nothing looks bad. <laughs> that's, like, that's like almost like was the guy coaching Brother Rice coaching – like was it was his was his wife coaching Anchor Bay? Because there's a personal there's a personal element to that score where like it it could only be explained by like your wife just nagging you and making you nuts, but she's the head coach of Anchor Bay and he's like just biting his lip as he's walking out the door and just getting pounded with hot tips. And then all he's thinking about is, don't worry, we're playing you at 4 o'clock today. You're coaching Anchor Bay. I'm coaching Brother Rice. I'm not calling off the dogs at 20 zip. I'm not calling off the dogs at 30 zip. I'm not calling off the dogs at 40 zip. <laughs> we need one more. One more. We need- and, and one more. And that's, and that's That last one is for don't. Let me see your mouth moving when I'm driving out of the driveway <laughs> with my windows up. I can't hear you. <laughs> I can't hear you. Uh, 41 to yeah. 41 to nothing. So here's the deal, too. It was 19 to nothing in the first quarter. 19 to nothing in the first quarter. Are you sure it wasn't Cornell Dartmouth in 2009? (laughs) Even that wasn't that bad. Because we were on poor pace to losing that game 40 to (laughs) 4. Well, it still would have been better than than 41 to nothing, I guess. Um, But basically, 41 to nothing, that was the score. It's just like, you know, for people, I've got – because I – I didn't really make a comment so much as, you know, the quarterfinals were blowouts. And then I made a tweet. It said, just when you guys all thought that this was a blowout, wait till you see Brother Rice's score. And I got a couple direct messages on Twitter saying, look, like, you know, it was bad, It's, it, but it wasn't that bad and this and that. Look, I get it. <laughs> I, I get it. Like, it, 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 oftentimes it is a tough scenario when you're playing a team that is so bad. I mean, in Massachusetts, when even when I was in high school, there were some very, very bad teams. Um, and, and we would go in and I'd get taken out halfway through the first, um, you know, like a like five and five in the first quarter, halfway right. through the first. I mean, it's, it's embarrassing, but the thing is, is no matter what, I mean, look, 41 to nothing is, a, is in, is a perception and optics that you just don't want to handle. You shouldn't, shouldn't have to deal with. And, you know, not literally missing the cage and running your offense for the next three quarters is probably what needed to happen. At some point in the first quarter when you were up 15 to nothing, 15 to nothing, not 19 to nothing when you finished the first quarter, but at some point in the 15 to nothing, you should think to yourself, like, now I've got to put the th- – because I know that they put the seconds in. Now I've got to put the thirds in and the fourths in. And well, I, gotta- I mean, don't, don't, you, don't you create – intra-possession goals for instance you know let's let's try to run our offense and generate opportunities but not pull the trigger 
and see if we can put together, you know, a two-minute possession before we get a shot running our offense. You know, it's right. one thing to just, you know, spread everybody out around the perimeter and throw the ball around the perimeter. I don't think that is really the appropriate adjustment for not scoring. I mean, that's almost condescending, more condescending than scoring on them, right? I mean, if I've coached plenty of teams that have gotten their doors blown off. And frankly, I would rather have teams run their offense and shoot than just stand out around the perimeter and throw the ball, you know, around in a circle. I don't, I don't, I almost think that's more condescending. So I would think if you're, go ahead. No, well, I, I agree with you. But here's the thing about more condescending. The only people that have to deal with that are you, the families at the game, and the op- opposing team. That's the yeah. only people that have to think for one 60-minute game that those guys are the biggest assholes ever. They just threw the ball <laughs> around. But now right. what you're going to deal with, you're going to deal with a na- like nationwide. They got over 1,000 retweets on that tweet. When they sent that out, why we, why you would even send that tweet out is beyond me. I mean, you should have just said Brother Rice wins against Anchor Bay. Um, but you said 41. Now you got to deal with a nation that thinks you're an asshole. you got right. 25 kids on the other team that think you're actually a good dude because you actually did exactly what you said. But you got, you've got 500,000 people who think you're the asshole. Um, and so I'd right. rather Who's deal with... that out? Who's I, I'd rather deal with the fact that, look, I mean... I'd start throwing the ball away and see how many times my defense can make stops and, and run right. some zone and, 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 and you know right. and, and do kinds of different things uh, or shoot to miss. But forty one, eventually it got to thirty to nothing, and did that cross their minds? Like, and that wasn't I, enough. I, I, right, I, I, you know, and that's it's it's I get it. It's a tough situation, and certainly in a playoff game, a four and eight team should not be playing brother Rice in the first round of the tournament. They got to shrink that up. But forty-one to nothing is optics you shouldn't have to deal with, and I guess you did it to yourself. Changing topics here, at the U.S. ILA All Americans were posted. Mm -hmm. There were four attackmen, four midfielders, I believe, four defensemen. I'm pulling it up right now as we go. Four defensemen. You have them all up right there. Yep. All right. (laughs) What's the most obvious? Holy shit! I can't believe he didn't make it. Um. Well, there's two obvious ones. Nice. One is how the hell did Sergio Perkovic make first team All-American at midfield? Wow. And the second one is how the hell did Zach Courier not make first team All-American? Zach Courier should be the midfielder of the year this season, and he's on second team. Uh, it's just inexplainable. It, it really is. It um, is. It's It's... It's just shocking. Um, it, it's shocking. and I can't believe the person at Kinko's actually printed this off <laughs> when he was giving it to him. If I was the guy at Kinko's, I would have just made the change myself, crossed out Sergio Perkovic, and put Zach Courier in there, and then, and then sent it out. <laughs> well, luckily, luckily, you're not the Aaron boy. I can't uh, believe Miles, the counter boy at Kinko's, <laughs> Miles, you're fired. (laughs) (laughs) So not only does Courier not make the first team All-American, he doesn't make the finalist of the Tuareton. Do you also agree with that? No. I think that we went over this last week. I think that I think that he absolutely I think he's the midfielder of the year. I don't think there's any question about it. 
Is, is may, there ever been a uh, has there ever been a situation where a player does not win first team All American is not a Tawarton finalist but yet wins the midfielder McLaughlin Award wins the midfielder of the year? I don't think so. But if could it ha- do you think it could happen this year? I think it should. Yeah, I think it, I think it could. I mean, I think Connor Kelly's going to get it now for sure, and I'm not so sure that you know. Look, Connor Kelly is not undeserving. No, but he's not. Zach no, Courier is clearly put together one of the most unique statistical seasons ever. Yes. Uh, it's just it's just unbelievable. And I don't and I don't mean to pound Sergio Perkovic that much. You know, I do right. think he's definitely on all American. I think he's Came definitely an all American. I mean, he had a run in the middle of the season where he really started to shoot well. Um, you know, but so, so I, I think out of this list. I see Connor Kelly as the most deserving. I see Zach Courier as the most deserving. Absolutely. Then Connor Kelly, then Sergio Salcedo, um, you know, then Nick Mariano probably, and, and you know, on and on and on and on. But it's just disappointing. I think, I think everybody would have Zach Courier as midfielder of the year. If they don't, it's got to be Connor Kelly. No one else. So you made it. You made it. A call on this before we have four attackmen, four midfielders, and four defensemen. Of course, you have the long pole, the short. Enough, stick of, enough of the four, four, four. Either that, that's just. But are you okay though with the LSM and the short stick D midi and the faceoff guy now though? Since it is that's a very specialized sport. Yeah, listen, listen. I mean, John Sexton and Larkin Kemp are they interchangeable? Sure, they are. Um, you know, Isaiah Davis Allen and the two shorties from Towson State. I think. You know, I think nice. Isaiah Towson Davis Allen is probably better. Yeah, that's what it was when I was there. <laughs> that's um, right. You know, uh, Baptiste and Withers. Yes, I, I think the fact that Baptiste beat Withers statistically during the season, fifteen out of twenty-six, justifies that as well. So I don't have, a, I don't have a problem with any of those. Right, right. I, I don't either. Uh, people are starting now to go the complete extreme opposite, which is they should only do 10. And I feel like that's the same way of saying in a football team that there should only be 10 or 11 guys selected for all pro. No, I think I you should I think you should field essentially a starting unit. I think you should have three attackmen, three middies, a long pole, a short stick team, and a face-off, three defensemen, and a goalie. That's what you should be. And you should do so, that for three teams. So it means something. Make a decision, right? Make a decision. So here's the scenario, though. What... Who gets axed on this list? On each spot? Yeah. That's a good question. Uh, for me, the, the attackman that would get axed out of this would be Patrick Spencer. The midfielder that gets axed out of this would be Sergio Perkovic. And who? Because you're already replacing him with somebody else. There's going to be two outs. And Nick Mariano. I would keep Sergio Salcio, Connor Kelly, and Zach Courier. Um, I agree uh, with that. And then I would go down to the defense. And to me... Uh, out of this, I would probably have to get rid of Austin Pafani. I would too. I would too. And and again, I do think those four are very deserving. I, I just feel like and, – and I think a lot of people out there would also argue that Garrett Apple's part of a system, blah, 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 you know, the Notre Dame defense. And so Austin Pafani's put on an island a lot more than, say, a Garrett Apple um, because, you know, as we know, Notre Dame doesn't care about their matchups, but he does. I mean, uh, Jerry does like certain matchups, and Garrett Apple is going to get the call on that. Um, did you like Benny Pugh as a first-team All-American? Uh, I do. I mean, I personally would have taken Tom Carey and put him in there, but I certainly cannot refute Benny Pugh. 
uh, getting that honor. I, I said throughout the season he was going to be my first team All-American candidate, but then seeing they didn't win uh, the SOCON down the stretch and the fact that Ohio State is now in the Final Four, a lot of which, uh, you know, a lot of the reasons that they're there is due to the way that Tom Carey has played down the stretch. So I frankly think that Tom Carey passed Benny Pugh down the stretch of the season, but I don't have a problem with Benny Pugh in their first team at all. Statistically, he deserves it. So in the first and second team, you have one one team didn't make first team All American did not make the national tournament. That's impressive. That's really, that's impressive. Really hard, to do. really hard to do. But again, he I think he was sixty what sixty six yeah, sixty seven on the year. Statistically, it was a no brainer choice. I have no yep. problem with Benny Pugh making first team All American. I frankly, you, I, I would have voted for Tom Carey, but I have no problem with Benny Pugh. Can completely see how it's justifiable verbally. Then you've got in the second team, you've got Dylan Malloy, Zach Courier, Jake Forcaro, uh, Larkin Kemp. Then you have uh, Brendan Hines and Jack Concannon uh, and Jared Newman, uh, all in second team All American, did not make the tournament. Right. That's pretty good. That's yeah. very good. It is. Now, the most, the most disturbing portion, I believe, in this is if you look back at third team, you've got five attackmen. I know. I feel so dirty. Four, four midfielders, and you've got three goalies. Three goalies. Now, I do, I, so now people want to mention about the, all Amer- you know, the honorable mention. Look, if you get a vote, you should get you know, I, I, or X amount of votes. Let's say it's five votes, and you didn't get in the first, second, or team. Like, there should be a minimum amount of votes to get an honorable mention. But look, if you get a vote, I think it's legit. You get an honorable mention All-American. I think it's legitimate. But you've got three goalies as a teamer. <laughs> it's, it's almost more prestigious to be HM than third team. Right. As a goal. I, I can't see. I mean, listen, Danny Fowler is by himself at HM. That's that he's true. got your third team. You're sharing it with two other guys. Oh, that is true. It's, it's more. If they were handing out a pizza for everybody that you know made all American in respected positions, Tape Boys and Christian, they're starving. And Tom Curry, they're only getting. Two and a third pieces of peas, right? <laughs> or whatever it is. Game foul gets the whole pie. Game <laughs> uh, so foul in a third team and have the other guys at HM. Nobody <laughs> really cares, anyways. <laughs> no one cares. <laughs> I, I do think, you know, you got Carson Bannister's. All right, so now you got you got Benny Pugh, first team All American goalie. We've we've checked the box; he's legit there. You got Jack Concannon. Do you check that box? You think that's fairly legit? Second team All American. Listen, I think he's definitely an All American, but how can Jack Concannon be in there ahead of Tom Carey? No way. Well, what about Tate Boyce? I mean, Tate Boyce finally Boyce got the recognition. Goalie, but, I think. But Jack Concannon. They didn't make the playoffs either, and he had a great regular season. They had two wins over, uh, you know. Princeton and North Carolina, I think, were their two big wins all year long and then kind of didn't get it done down the stretch of the CAA and then lost in the first round of the CAA playoffs. On a, actually, I think they lost, yeah, in the, in the semis on a freakish goal against UMass. Uh, he let in from 50. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Listen, it was a weird goal, but I think when you let in a weird goal like that, you may have to go down to 13. <laughs> and, Tom, <laughs> and Tom Carey has to go up. 
I actually think Tate Boyce should go in. Tate Boyce had an incredible last game as a as a player. Um, he's statistically better than I th- I believe both Tom- well definitely Tommy Carey I know that for sure and Carson Bannister I believe he's a little higher than Carson Bannister. As Tate Boyce hasn't played, hasn't, is a stud. I have no problem with him. He absolutely deserves to be an All American. Yeah. Tommy Carey's played by far the toughest schedule and. Yep. Is a yeah, yeah, strength. Of his, listen, he, he's his body of work. But, frankly, yeah. I think it makes him first team. But if he's not going to be first team, I understand Benny Pugh. But there's no one else that you can defend being ahead of Tom Carey based on the way the season has played out with the playoffs, et cetera. So, my, does does Dylan Malloy deserve second team attack? Um, listen, I'm a huge fan of his. I don't think based on the season that he had that he he does. I would put Michael Sowers ahead of him uh, in this instance. And I think he was... Not Trey LeClaire? I would have him ahead of him, too. I'd have both of those guys ahead of him. So the third team attack, I'll, I, I, Josh Josh Burns, Chris Cloutier, uh, Colin Heacock, Trey LeClaire, and Michael Sowers. you got those five to me, attackmen right, in there. Right, right. To me, Trey, Le, Trey LeClaire and Michael Sowers are more deserving this season than Dylan Malloy. Um, just based on the year that they had. Now, perhaps the uh, difference in the season, that Dylan Malloy, remember, he didn't play two games down the stretch, right? He sat out the last two regular season games against Providence and Dartmouth. And if he plays those two games, it's not unrealistic to think that he doesn't score eight points a game. Maybe that doesn't doesn't add to your resume. I know, but then you're looking at his season – and it's it somewhat parallels that of Pat Spencer, where they had some, you know, uh, tremendous statistical games against some some terrible opponents. Um, and, and to me, but but yeah. I will say this: I'll give Dylan Malloy this. He had a great tournament, Ivy League tournament, he did. incredible Listen, Ivy League and, tournament. And so that put him back Dylan in Malloy, the, in the Dylan mix. Malloy, you know, is is the lead guy, right? And Michael Sowers is the lead guy. Um, you know, I, I think there's there's a lot to be said for that. Um, so, you know, so here's the deal. Here's the deal, At. I'm gonna. You got Fields, Rambo, and Reeves. Is that locked in as your first team? Yep. So now I'm gonna drop Spencer down to second team consideration because yep. you only have three to choose from. Yeah. That means you've got, and I'm gonna give you the third teamers too, so you can pick them out. You got Spencer, Canizaro, Gutterding, Malloy. Trey LeClaire and Sowers, because I don't think you're going to put Heacock, Clodier, and Byrne in there. I'm not. The second so who's your, team, who's your second the team? The second team for me would be Canizero, Gutterding, and Sowers, frankly. Wow. I, I, would have wow. Spencer, I would have Spencer and Malloy on third team. Wow. So now who's Spencer, Malloy, and LeClaire are your third team All-Americans. Yep. They are. I'm curious. If you're out there listening to the show, text me, tweet at us. Let us know what you think of those picks. I, I don't disagree with you at all. I, I, I really do. I think that Byrne Cloutier and Heacock are a little bit overrated on this. On this Again, great players. I don't think they're, I don't think they're overrated. But well, let's face according it, to the voting. Heacock's a two, right? He's not a one. He's a two. Cloutier is not a guy you're giving the ball to. And to me, if you can't give the guy a ball, the ball and say score, I, I, I struggle with your selection. Right? And he had Lloyd, 25 he, goals in the Lloyd tournament last year, though. What's that? Coudier had like 25. He had literally 58% or 48% of his goal production in the tournament last year. I mean, that's that's pretty legit. Listen, his tournament was off the charts. 
I'm not evaluating his tournament last year, but before the tournament, he was very average last year. No, very no bad. doubt. What I'm saying, I was just, I was being devil's advocate to you saying if you can't give him the ball. I mean, Cloutier is not when he took over the tournament last year. It's not like he had the ball in his stick. He's driving to the cup. He just finished every single opportunity he possibly had. Right. To me, which is to impressive. me, that's a different type of player, and I don't put as much value on a catch and finish guy, no matter how dynamic and great they are. I, I, to me, the guy that you give the ball to to dodge and get the slide is the is the is the guy that's truly um, the lead dog. So you no, would, oh no doubt, no doubt. Yeah. So I, I don't. Okay. I don't think that you know. Look, it, it, and maybe within that, maybe Malloy is justified ahead of Gooderding. You know, Gooderding had a better statistical season. He started, uh, He was impressive in that that night. Or 14, he was like demanding the right. ball. He was like, "Give me the ball." Listen, I, I, he was sick. He's awesome. I mean, he's awesome. Yeah. Um, and Dylan Malloy is awesome, but Dylan Malloy to me had too many turnovers relative to you know. And, and the other thing is, he was coming off a very very deserving Tawarton Junior season at Brown, where he was clearly the best player in the country, and and and. You know, for all intents and purposes, had he not hurt his foot, would have led Brown to the first national championship. Um, you know, but this year, due to graduation, and, you know, he, he had more turnovers this year. And I think yeah. that, um, you know, you're going to have more turnovers when you're, when you lose a lot of your supporting cast and you're trying to make it happen. Um, I agree. But, but that was the difference between him and Reeves for me. You know, Reeves didn't have the same amount of turnovers that Dylan Malloy had. And I agree. And because of that, Reeves is a, you know, first team all American and, and Malloy is not, I think that's fair. So just to confirm, <laughs> just to confirm yeah. the Brown alma mater alumni yep. does not have Malloy in his three team all American list. I have him at 13 for sure. No, you didn't. You pushed him out. Oh, am I doing th- just three? So who gets pushed out of that last spot? Yeah, well, you, well, here's the deal. This is what you said. I'm I would, re- tr- I would trade. Okay, go ahead. I'm going to give it back to you. Yep. Fields, Rambo, Reeves. We're, that's first team. Yes. You had Canizero, Gutterding, Spencer, second team. I would switch that to Sowers. I think I had Oh, correct, correct. You did have Sowers. I apologize. You yeah. did have Sowers, which means now Who's it's, LeClaire, left, left it's LeClaire, Spencer, and... Um, Sorry. It's it's clearly Malloy and Spencer and uh, Malloy, Spencer, and LeClaire. Those are the th- – that's the, my third team. So Byrne, Cloutier, and Heacock would all be out. Pushing them yeah. down, pushing them down. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. All right. All right. So I, I was almost pressing tweet on that, no, but, but I did not. I, I pulled it back. But you look at all of those, and they're all lead guys. Fields, Rambo, Reeves, Spencer, Canizero, Gooderding. Malloy, Sowers, um, and then LeClaire plays kind of a unique, weird role, but he's definitely deserving. That that would be my that would be the way I'd break. I it. like it. I like it. Let's switch here. Yep. Who's the front runner for the Twarton AT? Does Baptiste win it all? And does Rambo have to win a national championship to win the Twarton? Rambo's already won the Twarton, in my opinion. There we go. But to me, it's no gray area. It's no great. Not, not even Baptiste. Even even if the, even if come this weekend, come Saturday, at they play the second or first game. Uh, they play the second game, I think. Second game, so two thirty. Yep. Uh, shit, 
Baptiste goes 23 of 27, which I don't think it's going to happen. But he goes 23 of 27, has two goals and assists. Rambo has two and two. Mm-hmm. What? It's not, it's not a one-game award. You know, to me, it's not a one-game award. But don't you? But don't you feel like, at this point, public perception-wise, let's let's take a little bit of your bias out there because I do agree with you. I think Rambo has deserved it. But would you agree that public perception-wise, if we're going to talk about candidates for the Torton, you've only got two. That's Rambo, and that's Baptiste. And if you're going to have no, two, I, I think you put them on. Is ahead of Ram, ahead of Baptiste. Wow, but I would have Rambo, Fields, Baptiste. Those would be the in order for me. And I think Rambo and Fields are all alone in that group. And I think Rambo's ahead of Fields. I disagree. Because he's played a tougher schedule. Go ahead. Okay. I disagree with you only because Baptiste is doing things that no one else has done at the position, very much like Zach Courier has done and has gotten no recognition for it. Um, And he's done it consistently over the last two or now three years. He's got one more year left. Um, And and it's not that he's not – he's not just a – Face off guy, get off. Like he, he in yes, theory, he, is. he could. Yes, he is. He, he is. But he, in theory, though, at he could actually play the field. He's a pretty. He's a good athlete. He's got a great stick. Yeah, but he right scores. Award in theory, right? I mean, uh, no, no, he, no. But like, he, he still gets a, like it's like a, 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 one and one a game because he wins so many face offs. He's getting one and one a game. I mean, that's that's really good stuff from a guy that I guess. Faces off and gets off. Like Withers, goals, Withers doesn't have assists. nearly as many. Twelve goals, two assists. That's fourteen. So he's one goal or right. one assist. He's, he's one point a game. Games. So he gets under pretty a close. A game. He's a face-off guy. Who's I don't who's disagree the most with dominant that. college face-off guy. Um. Ever? No, not ever. Who? I think Mark Goers was facing off at seventy-seven percent. Do you do it for four and years? Mark Goers played. To Mark Goers did, was a third Did he do it for four owner. years, though? What's that? Did he do it for four years? No, he didn't do it for four years. I think that's the difference maker, though, right? I mean, if you're if you're equating one season, he has the same type of season next year as a senior. Then, then he may be the front runner next year. But Matt Rambo, as a senior, willing Maryland. Playing the schedule that they've played. This is Matt. Matt Rambo's already won the game. He could go out and play the worst game of his life, and he still has won the tour time. I agree with you, man. I just don't think that the country does. I think that Baptiste is getting a lot of press. Had Zach Courier as a second team All American. What a joke. No, they didn't. They didn't. The coaches vote. So this is the thing. Like people think that it's, the USILA, there's like three dudes it's and they just do. It. Zach Courier doesn't make first team All American. It sounds like the process is unorganized. That's what that I that I agree, and I I think that that's also a big reason. First off, we're talking about All Americans here, and they're not including some of the tournaments. I think that the quarterfinals should be included in the uh, evaluations they of some of all, these guys. They should all be. You shouldn't be passing it out. On the regular season, you find out who the best of the best is in the tournament. When you have teams like Albany that get in the tournament, you know, with their AQ, but played a really soft regular season season, right? And you're looking at their players, you know, once they smacked Carolina the way that they did, they certainly became a team that we all thought could win the national tournament. I, I certainly did. 
you know, and I was down on, well, I shouldn't say I was down on Albany. I wasn't down on Albany. I just didn't think that they deserved to be ranked as high as they were throughout the season due to the fact that their strength of schedule hadn't beaten anyone. Their best win was Yale, essentially, for the whole year. And then they beat Carolina. Right. And, they, they, and then they held on. Right. They beat them 15 to 12. But the way they played in the first half we're digressing now. Showed us the way that they were, were that they were capable of beating anybody in the country if they played the way they did in the first half against Carolina. And after that game, it became, you know, this is a serious team. We all went into that Maryland game thinking, who's going to win the game? Who's going to win the game? That, that everybody felt that way, right? Maryland, but, but Fields, but Fields couldn't get it done though. Fields couldn't get it done. Fields and didn't have enough of a supporting cast, right? With that said. It just goes to show you, Maryland's the best team. Now, is Maryland going to beat Denver? I don't know. Right? Well, if, if we're going to get to that in a later on the okay. se- uh, later on the show too. Okay. But but you really think so? I, I don't disagree with you here in terms of the voting. I think the best point you made is that this process is very disorganized. Right? How how is it not? I don't I don't believe it is, and maybe it is. But how is it not online voting system? That every coach gets a vote. I think that not only every head coach, like let's just say the head coaches all get votes, and those are the only ones that count. But I think there's something to be said to get 71 or 70 teams and their 140 assistant coaches get them to vote too. How different of it is for assistant and coordinators to also vote and see what those look like? That's a really, really... Wouldn't it be great if they gave a vote to the head assistant... I'm sorry, to the head coach, the head assistant, and the second assistant, and it counted as three points, two points, and one point, respectively. I think that just the amount of votes going on, I think what you'd see is a result where very few people would have a problem with it. Not only that, wouldn't it hold the head coaches accountable to actually voting and being on time? Definitely. Now, all of a sudden, you've got like administrative pit bulls as assistant coaches who know that, let's just say you're an offensive coordinator. It doesn't even matter. Maybe you just give one and a half to each assistant coach. Your vote counts as one and a half. The head coach counts as three. Whatever. You can create any system you want. It's all online-based. And then now, all of a sudden, you got your assistant coaches part of the conversation and forcing a conversation on the head coach to be like, hey, look, who did you vote for? This is serious, man. Do you think Zach Courier gets left out in the mix? Listen, there's no question that in a lot of instances, these coordinators know who's a bigger threat than the head coaches in a lot of situations. 100%. If Notre Dame and Jerry Byrne is preparing to stop Maryland, I think he has a, a better handle on that's right how dynamic matt rambo and colin heacock and connor kelly and tim rotans are than kevin corgan is the head coach who's worrying about everybody right i i, I just think he's also got sh- other shit to do like yes. alums and like this and that and voting for this yes. pass on some yes. of that uh, that responsibility yes. to guys who who again are doing a lot of the work and again well, i'm not taking the, anything the away from the watching the most film uh, yes no question yes there's got to be, I think, again, you bring up the best point. It is very unorganized, and the process and system needs to get fixed. Like, you cannot have Zach Courier missing first-team All-American after the season he had. I think the, the other thing that needs to be is transparent 
you know, in addition, put it online and let's see who people voted for. Well, I don't know if you need to do that, but you should, you should see that? how many votes he got. At that? least do the same way. Well, now, now just because now not- but now you're forcing people, and I'm not saying they have to, but they they need to be prepared to verbally defend their choices, right? Who are the coaches that voted for Sergio Perkovic more than Zach Courier? And let's find that out. I'll bring. Out. Let's bring him on the show. And, and, and find let's out bring him on the show. Are, and I just want to hear the verbal justification for it. You know what? To help me understand why you think Sergio Perkovic is more deserving than Zach Courier. Help me to understand that. I don't think anyone can answer your AT because I think the point that you already brought up is the most relevant one of all. That this process is unorganized, that at some point, some sheet to one sheet missed another sheet, and maybe some other sheet got stuck in somebody's shoe and didn't get added in and totaled to this thing. You got to send them in. I mean, this is this is insane, and I think that there needs to be more voices in this, and I think it's really, really important that assistant coaches get a say in this. Now, again, I don't care if the votes actually count from the assistant coach, but having the say and now having a collective voice as assistant coaches where you're now saying, hey, look, this was 140. Those are the 70 votes that count. But as 140, we came out well over in the top because I guarantee you, if you give any sort of you know responsibility or accountability to assistant coaches, they're going to take advantage of it. Totally. They will show. They will show their piece. Look, look, this is what we say. Right. Because the head coach has got too much other shit to do. Too much other stuff. I wonder how I different mean, it would be, RD, if you had the head coaches All-American team and then you had the assistant <laughs> coaches All-American team. It's interesting. You know, because I do think that as critical as we've been over the course of this podcast in the process in general, I do think that the outcome of the all Americans are, I think it's very good. You know, I think it's very good. There's only a few instances. If we're going to nitpick whether or not Dylan Malloy should be second or third team, you know, it's super, super nitpicky. Right. Yeah. I I agree with that. I, I think it's, you know, for all intents and purposes, I think they did. A really good this job. Is the second year, but this is the second year in a row they've made a huge mistake. With the Pat same guy. Pat Spencer. With the same guy. All right, Pat Spencer. No, was. Pat Spencer last year was a massive mistake. That's where all these things slip through the cracks. I remember you and I used to talk about it when you, you actually brought me in and we sat down together and we were like, you, you, or you had already done it. You'd already filled it out. But you brought me in and you're like, who do you think first team all Ivy should be? Yeah. I racked it off. Yeah. You'd be like, what about this guy, this guy, this guy? Because I'm not like prepared, obviously. And I know how well and due diligence, you, you do your due diligence. And, you know, when you get a vote, you take the time, just like totally. you do on your media poll. You yeah. you look at it, you take all the information, and you take the time to do it. Uh, and it's very important. I need to be able to verbally defend my choice. I might, you might not agree with my reasoning. That's right. But I have, a, right. I, I can verbally defend why I selected A versus B. And, and I think I don't think a lot of coaches care so much, and, and not that they don't. They're all super competitive guys, but they just got so much other things to do. But you brought me in, and we went over it, and and you felt really good submitting that that sheet. Sure. And and you also you probably did it because you were afraid that something might get slipped through the crack. Like, well, you you right. you want. I I can genuinely say, look, there are guys that you coach against, and you coach that you love as people and you hate as people. It's just the way that it is, right? With that said, that never plays a role in who you vote for, right? Right. You you want 
the people to receive the credit that have earned it. Yes. You, you and do. I think you have personal, you have personal, um, you know, situation to that as well. I mean, the, you lived a little bit through that and you feel like it's important from that point from then on that everyone gets their shot at the recognition they deserve. Definitely. Is that fair? Definitely. Auntie? Well, I, I agree with you, man. I think that the process is flawed. I think they, they, they really need to look at this because Zach Courier not being on first team All-American is absolutely insane. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about Delaware, Ben DeLuca getting the job. We're going to talk about quarterfinals, but more so on the quarterfinals, we're going to talk about the losing teams and what's in store for the future. We've got play, uh, coaches and players of the week, and then we got last week's picks, and we're going to talk a little bit about this weekend's game. Hold on tight. We'll be right back. is one of New York State's most spectacular full-service public golf facilities. Located in Dutchess County and only an hour north of New York City, the 27 holes wind their way along the Taconic, through the valley, and over the highlands with spectacular views that have made the course famous for over 50 years. With three nine-hole courses to start on, players enjoy fast play and easy access to tee times, even on weekends. Book your next round at BeekmanGolf.com. Let's play today. That's BeekmanGolf.com. At Sisu, we take a very scientific approach to making sure our technologically advanced, doctor-developed, scientifically-backed, industry-changing mouthguards are the most protective, lightest, talkable, breathable, comfortable, drinkable, removable mouthguards on the planet to guarantee you're protected. No matter what comes your way, the Sisu Next Gen. Sisu. Talk. Breathe. Drink. Uh, we're coming back in. This is second portion of our show. AT just uh, announced yesterday Ben DeLuca gets the Delaware job. The finalists for the job were he, Anthony Gallardi from Towson, and Patrick Myers from the University of Pennsylvania. Those are the finalists, three finalists. Mm -hmm. And if you heard uh, Terry Foy, and um, he did a podcast. This was great, actually. He interviewed all three athletic directors. Uh, I have not finished his podcast, but I did get to see Miss um, Rowecki, who is a uh, Michigan former Michigan administrator, ath associate athletic director, uh, who is now the athletic director at Delaware, talk about her views and opinions. My favorite was is that she totally butchered Donowski's name, uh, totally butchered uh, Tambo's name, <laughs> uh, but. Uh, she kept talking about the associate head coach level. She was enamored by the associate head coach level and the amount of quality candidates at the associate head coach level across the country. She talked about how, um, you know, that the, I guess, when we talked about this a little bit too, about how the older generations, I guess, you know, the, the grandfathers of our game who are still coaching are passing on the information and it's becoming more and more advanced with the next group and the next crop of guys, which you would put immediately Ben DeLuca, Anthony Gallardi and Pat Myers in. Um, and so I thought it was, I thought it was fascinating. Uh, I thought it was good work by Terry Foy, uh, getting them on and organizing that. I can't imagine that was easy to do. Uh, but Ben DeLuca gets the Delaware job. What are your initial thoughts? Unbelievable hire. He's the best hire. 
I think that they're getting a proven winner, somebody that has been to a Final Four as a head coach, somebody that played at the highest level. He's coached with the best coaches in the sport, in Dave Petromala, Jeff Tambroni, uh, John Donowski. Uh, you know, he's there's no question that Delaware knocked this out of the park with Ben DeLuca. He's a disciplinarian. He's a proven winner. I mean, he's seen the scholarship side during his time at Duke. He's, he's, uh, they, they crushed this. I mean, this is, this is the home run. It is the home run. I think that if you're looking at Ben DeLuca's resume, uh, he's got Team USA. I don't think he has a gold medal on his. No, they lost that year with Petro. That was 2014. Yep. But you got Team USA. You've got scholarship school and being a volunteer at, at Duke for two years. And he was a big part of that. It wasn't like, you know, your typical volunteer who's in a position as a, um, you know, a first or second year coach taking on that responsibility. This is a, this is a guy who knows uh, what he's doing. And I think a coach in Donowski who gives him a lot of, of responsibility in that role. So I, I think that that's a legitimate two-year experience that he had. Uh, he also gets that kind of recruiting experience um, where you're not sifting through uh, transcripts so much as you are sifting through players on the field, which he's had experience at Cornell from. Uh, you know, his experience between Cornell and Harvard, I mean, this is all a great material for him to step in at Delaware and make an immediate impact uh, AT, question for you, what's a realistic goal for Ben DeLuca and the Delaware Fighting Blue Hens in 2018? Well, from a subjective standpoint, it's getting better over the course of the season, so they're paying their best oh, at the end that's, of the year. That's head coach talk. from a subjective standpoint, right? From a tangible visible standpoint, uh, the first goal has to be to make the CAA playoffs, right? That's That's got to be the first goal on the list when they sit down and they say, all right, guys, what are our goals? Like, that's got to be number one. And then number two has got to be to win the CAA playoffs and secure the AQ that goes along with that. And then ultimately, you know, make the final four. I, it's, it's a realistic goal for this program they are geographically set in the perfect position right it's a good academic school where they can make exceptions in the admissions office as needed so that they're never going to hear no this guy can't get into school right you know it's they have a history of a pipeline from Canada, which is almost becoming a prerequisite. <laughs> That's true. To, to make the Final Four, I think the only team that has not done that and won a national championship was Duke in, I think it was like 2010 or something like that. Right. There's still or... Canadian residue from Zach Greer leaving. <laughs> and, and, and the fact is, is all of those things are in place and now you've got a disciplinarian who 
everybody has a ton of respect for, except for the whiner soft Harvard alumni that didn't like that, you know, he came in and started the right guy in goal instead of the incumbent. And <laughs> look, this is that 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 to me are the progression of realistic goals for Ben DeLuca, and I think Ben knows that. But, but what? Okay, so that's that's I, I like that, and I would actually argue with you slightly. I think for him in year one, well. I think year one, I think it's a disappointment if Delaware doesn't make it to the conference championship. He doesn't have any of his guys. I know that, but he has plenty of talent there. Yeah, That's but, what I'm saying. I think that they have, have the talent, talent to do it. You, you, you know, I could go there and I could coach the offense and I could inherit Chris, Chris Cloutier when I, really my offense, in order for it to succeed, needs to have Ari Sussman. Right. And so, you know, That's I, I'm fair. not saying that they don't have good players and all that sort of stuff, but. Coaches need to recruit. Listen, the best coaches are going to be able to adapt to the talent that they inherit, no question. But in the end, for this to be a realistic goal, I think you have to give coaches the opportunity to bring players in that fit the way that they want to coach. I, I agree with that. I, I don't disagree with you at all, but I feel like internally, I'm talking just not perception-wise. I think that perception-wise, they make the CAA or they don't make the CAA tournament. I think that's a disappointment next year for Delaware. But I think internally, I think that the, the internal goal is let's get to the conference championship because it is a conference that is wide open. With the exception of Towson, I think it's wide open conference. And I think that... Every year, the raw the rosters in that league change within semester to semester. I think that for him, you're looking at this with a ta- a team with talent who, by the way, at the beginning of the season, you know, did very well. The first half of the season or the middle of the season for Delaware was great. They did very very well. Yeah. Um, and I think that they have that ability to get to the conference championship. I think you could see that that is a realistic goal. For Deluca, yeah, and company. I, 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 who do, who does who does Deluca hire? Let's go this okay. way. Since you're talking about um, offense and defense, you got to figure Deluca so, will still have a pretty big hand in the defense. Yeah, I but think there's no question. Who does he hire? He's going to be the head coach, and I think we'll also run the side of the ball, which clearly is going to be the defense. So who does he hire? Who are the most attractive guys? If I'm Ben Deluca, I would go right down to Durham. And I would offer the job to Matt Donowski. That's a great call. Listen, Matt, Matt, Matt Donowski, Donowski, Matt Donowski himself from now his dad. can create an identity, a coaching identity for himself while he's not on the sidelines with his dad. I think that that's critical that's right. for Matt to be taken seriously as a head coach down the line and not somebody that's just getting an opportunity because his dad's one of the best coaches in the history of the sport. I think it would be... Uh, a really smart decision for Ben to offer Matt the job, and I think it'd be a really smart thing for Matt to take the job. Um, you know, so that would be the first one. And then, from a second assistant standpoint, you know, you really want to bring in a face-off and/or goalie guy. And remember, you still have a you still have a volunteer style. Sure. So, uh, so from that standpoint, can... I would look at. Um, you know, a guy that may make sense, Noah Fosner, might make sense. 
that's uh, interesting. Who was a goalie at Delaware and a very, very good one at that. And I believe um, he's a D of Ops at uh, Harvard, yeah, so he's got so, the connection so, with Deluca so, so already. That makes a lot that's a great of sense call. there. Wow. Um, and then as a face-off volunteer, you know, again, I don't know if he's available, but I know that it sounds like uh, he's got a ton of family money, and if, if that's the case and he doesn't need the money, why not reach out to Alex Smith, alum, to see if he wants to be a volunteer uh, at his alma mater and really change that program immediately, a lot like um, – you know, Charlie Toomey did at Loyola when he was able to secure Steve Vakeness, West Jenny alum and Loyola alum and face off professor. That's right. It just, you know, it, it would be what a staff that would be. Ben DeLuca. It would be incredible. Matt Denowski, I think that Noah Fosner and Alex Smith is the volunteer. I think that would be an incredible staff. I think Alex Smith, though, running 7,000 restaurants that he does in Inner Harbor downtown is a little to tough. <laughs> That's true, too. Uh, he's killing it. If anyone uh, follow uh, Alex Smith on his Instagram account, it's actually very impressive, uh, both from a standpoint of business and personal life. Um, but um, but the other part is, is what about all of DeLuca's Cornell connections? Well, that's the other next guy I had on my list was, what about Connor Busick to come down and run the offense? That's true. You could do that. What about... Is he too young? Uh, Rukowski? Too young. What about, what about Rukowski? Ru- what about Paul Richards? I think Paul Richards would be great as well. I think that... What about, yeah. what about a guy like Rob Pinnell? If Rob- In a lower, lower assistant coach position? You know... I think Rob Pinnell would that's be a great the, hire. Yeah, that's I don't know him as a guy, but Timmy Goldstein has great things to say about him. You know, clearly he's one of the best players in the history of the game. He's arguably the best attackman in the game right now. Um, you know, depending upon how he interacts with the kids, he might be he might be unbelievable. I mean, he's he's I think he's the most fundamentally sound dodger. He's the most fundamentally sound dodging attackman in the game right now. He's certainly quick and slick and strong and all that sort of stuff, but he's not Mikey Powell laser quick. You know, he's not overpowering. Uh, You know, he's he's extremely powerful for his size. His stick work is very good, but it's not John Grant Jr. The reason that that, that Rob Pinnell has become the best and most fundamentally sound dodging attackman is is because of that, you know. It's it, and he's a very hard guy to slide to. And if you don't slide to him, he's going to score six goals. And if you do slide to him, he's going to get six assists. That's right. You That's know. Right. So I, I think he'd be great. What about? Uh, I mean, you've got Rakowski. Uh, you've got Paul Richards. I mean, there's a lot of great candidates that Delaware could look at. Uh, on multiple different angles, depending on how Ben DeLuca decides to go. Let's go a different direction. The finalists for this job were Anthony Gallardi and Pat Myers. Were they, team- I think they were got- teammates? Weren't they teammates at Ohio State at the same time in like 2001, 2002? I think they were. That's a, gr- that's a great call. I didn't realize that. I was that coaching at Fairfield, and I remember those two guys. They were two of their best players. Well, the other part is, is both – all three of those guys, or at least Gallardi and Myers, both worked for 
uh, or played for Bresh. Yeah, they did. Um, and so this, it's a lot like the coaching trees these days. It's just, I feel like it's shrinking drastically because <laughs> these guys are did just staying in the, co- in the game. At one point, RD, and I don't know, you may know, did both these guys coach at Cornell at one point? Pat Myers. Pat was only there for one year. Was Anthony Gallardi ever there? It's a great call. I (laughs) don't think he was. He was, was, but maybe I'm wrong. I think he he went straight to Ohio State. I think he was at Ohio State. I don't know. You look that up. Uh, But I think that when, 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 you know, the AD at Delaware was looking at her candidate. She saw head coach, former head coach at associate head coach level. That's that's where the difference maker. You've got Anthony Gallardi, uh, who's teamed up with Sean Natalin at Towson, uh, as a guy who's proven himself and what he's done uh, within the system that Sean Natalin has proven. He's in the league, and I think that that was an attractive piece for um, uh, the AD there. And I think that Pat Myers is an interesting uh, candidate as well, given his success uh, on the international level obviously uh, with the USA and in winning gold there uh, but at the same time his connections with his brother who's obviously in the final four and killing it at Ohio State uh, but he's been at an institution scholarship institution he's been in the Ivy League he's recruited at the top he's recruited in the middle uh, you know you've got him at Bucknell as well he's seen everything he's evaluated everything uh, those are the next crop of big-time coaches, and if you're in the finalist for a, a, a school like Delaware, when they open up for the first time in 41 years or 42 years, uh, you've cemented yourself at the top of the list, and and I would expect that those guys get multiple calls as you know the searches open up in the future years for bigger and better jobs out there. Yeah. Um, AT, we're going to move on here to the quarterfinal games how shocked were you that they were as big a blowout? Blow, uh, blown away. I, I, I went into those games last week thinking that they were the most evenly matched four games in the history of the Division One tournament. Yep. And on paper, and, as Cottle did as well. Cottle said yep. the same thing on yep. paper. And yep. uh, I wouldn't have been shocked at all if we. We're going into the Final Four this weekend with Albany playing Notre Dame and Duke playing Syracuse. That wouldn't have shocked yep. me at all. And yet we have the exact opposite. <laughs> That's right. Like the exact yeah. opposite. Like heavy the exact opposite. Right. And, 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 awesome. and not only that, that's just speaking the outcomes. It's not even speaking scores. You look at the scores and it was – a nine-goal victory for Maryland over Albany, a 12-goal victory for Denver over Notre Dame, a five-goal victory, Ohio State over Duke, and we know it wasn't that close. It was it was worse than that. And Towson, a three-goal victory over Syracuse, and it was worse than that. And had Syracuse not come back and won, you know, nine one-goal games over the course of the year, whatever the number was, we would have felt that that was more of a blowout than it actually was, right? right? So not only was the outcome uh it's really the the manner and the final scores of of how it happened that really blows you away it's true it's true uh towson syracuse we'll talk about the losers of each team and the future outlook of each of the losers in this so here we go towson punches syracuse in the mouth in the first quarter six to nothing 
They win 10-7. Syracuse loses Mariano, Evans, and Salcedo. Do they make the ACC tournament in 2018? Well, my, and, and, and moreover, in 2018. moreover than losing those three, they also lose Ben Williams, Scott Furman, and Evan Malloy, right? So, so, <laughs> so they're losing six studs, RD, not just studs. three. Right, Stunts. they return Nate Solomon, who's you know a good player, but let's face it, he's a role player, good. right? Yeah. And Rayfus and Trimboli and Voit and you know they reload every single year. Trimboli's a, Trimboli's a, is a shining prospect for sure. He's going to be great in four years of Q's. He, he is, but, but do they make the ACC tournament next year? I don't think they do. I think they're. I think they have a major drop off. You know, if you look at their schedule and you go through, if they play the exact same schedule next year. Right, they beat Siena, they lose to Albany, they lose to Army, they lose to Virginia, they beat St. John's, they lose to Hopkins, they lose to Duke, they lose to Notre Dame, they beat Hobart, they lose to Cornell, they lose to North Carolina. Wow, they lose Cornell. They probably wow. beat Binghamton, um, and then they they beat Colgate. You know, you're looking at a five and eight season season potentially. From SU, if they can't find, it's looking strong. It's going to be a strong output for Syracuse to make 500. Yeah, based on what you're saying, that's right. They're going to have to win, you know, two one goal. They're going to have to win two ACC games, right? This is not. That's not good for Syracuse. No. Like not good at all. No. Like as it was. I mean, they lose in that kind of fashion, and you already after the season that they had, and people are saying fire Desco still. I mean, they've been saying that for 15 years just because I mean, they don't win a national the, championship. The, they're out. All-time best coaches. Fire Desco is, <laughs> is a stupid thing to say. Right? Those are bumper stickers. But That's what? like Atlanta Falcons win the Super Bowl. <laughs> just get rid of them. Send them over there. Do something. <laughs> but, but here's the thing. In 2018, they don't make the ACC tournament. How, how aggressive does that talk get? You know, it's not an easy league to make the tournament in. <laughs> well, there's, there's only one out. You just got to not be the that guy. Yeah. And Virginia has 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 captained the ship on being that guy over the last Virginia two or three Virginia years. better figure out how to play some defense though because down the stretch they, they need were to make stops. Ugly. They need to make stops. They need make, they need they need saves in the cage. And I think that that changes And they, the and they need to win faceoffs too. All right. So here's the deal. Denver, Notre Dame, is Notre Dame in need of an attackman? And what do they look like next year? Well, Notre Dame, they don't get hurt close to as badly as Syracuse does. Now, they lose Perkovic, who's been a four-year player for them. They lose Garrett Eppel, who, again, is a first-team All-American. They lose Shane Dawson to Cage. That, while he didn't make All-American, is still, in my opinion, been a very solid goaltender for Notre Dame. They lose P.J. Finley at the X, but he hasn't been that successful in ACC play. Uh, but they return a lot on the offensive end. They return Garnsey, Wynn, Gleason, Costabile, Collins. You know, defensively, they get Matt Sexton. Is Garnsey, it's Garnsey enough to take over an ACC program as a go-to guy at attack with 20 and 23? Does that get you into the Final Four? Does that get you a national championship? No. Does Gar- is Garnsey the guy you're going to... I think if, I think if Ryder Garnsey is healthy, I think he is. 
Um, you know, I'm not positive. Listen, these guys all have aches and pains, blah, 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 blah. So much of success in sports is who can manage their aches and pains the best and still play at the highest level. Uh, I, I, I don't, I can't speak intimately about Ryder Garnsey's injuries this year. What I can tell you is that as a sophomore going 20 and 23, and we all know he was hurt, you know, the last three, four or five games of the season, is it unrealistic to think that next year he can't be 40 and 30? I would expect him to be. I think he's a first team All-American attackman if he's healthy the, the whole year. I, I really do. Um, so, I, you know, but he can't. He can't go out and put up 50 points and we would. It's 43 points. Yeah, but I'm just saying, like, he goes 25 and 25 and has the same sort of year as a. They're not going to the no, final four. No, I don't think they're going the No. But I, I, I don't think that happens. I think he comes back, is healthier, and I think he has. Do you think. That, do you think. Do, I was just going to say, do you think he's an 85 point a year attackman? I'm going to put you on this. I think that it's I, a stretch for him to go 30 for 30. I think he's got the talent to do that. I'm not positive he has the discipline to do that. Um, you know, I've said it before. He scores some jaw-dropping goals and makes some phenomenal plays. Um, you know, but but I feel like he's an undisciplined shooter. While he scores a lot of goals from some very low angles – I'm not positive that he can prevent himself from shooting it around the world into the corner when you just have to shoot it over him in the corner. You know, it, 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 sure. if there were points for how awesome it looked, he would be an 85-point scorer right now. But I'm not positive that he has the appreciation for making the simple play with consistency that you need to be able to have to become a 75-point-plus scorer as an attacker. He's got the ability to do it. Does he have the discipline? Um, I don't know. I, I just don't know. But he certainly has the ability, the craftiness, the vision, the ability to finish. But I wish that he would simplify his shots so he's able to shoot a higher percentage and go from scoring you know two and a half goals a game to four goals a game and that's what you do when you are a disciplined finisher um you know the other the other piece that i would add is you know, does notre dame from an offensive standpoint play at a pace that promotes 75 point plus attacking i don't know you know, Matt Cavanaugh was there for four years and had, you know, this four of almost the same type of seasons that Ryder Garnsey had. And he was played by injuries. And he was well. too. And and they both, um, you know, were phenomenal players. But I just think that if 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 you're going to be Matt Cavanaugh in his worst year had still had fifty right. points. I'm looking him up right you're gonna now. Be, you're going to be mean, an that's... elite attackman. I. I on a division one top, you know, 10 division one program, I think you got to be 75 points plus. I just think you do. And in order to do that, you've got to shoot 35%. And as an attackman, you should shoot 35%. You're not taking shots outside of 12 yards. 
Matt Cavanaugh had 42 and 33 his sophomore year. He was more or less hurt both of his next two years. He had 50 and 52, or 52 and yep. 50. That's like Garnsey's not even close Matt to that. Matt Cavanaugh right played a more reckless game than Ryder Garnsey plays. Um, ah, reckless. I don't know if I agree with re- that one. Rec- yeah. re- I mean, reckless in the way that you would describe Doug Knight reckless, not reckless in the decision makings that decision maker he he showed zero regard for he his attacked body. The yeah he showed zero regard for his body. that's what i mean by reckless um yeah you know, with that yeah. said matt cavanaugh also was an undisciplined finisher he should have scored more goals than he did you know the the amount of times that he would come out of a roll and shoot low to high and miss the goal you know when you can just shoot it overhand in the low corner I think affected his overall stat line for his career. There's no question about it. Well, I, I think I think what you saw at the end, and I'm seeing it in some of the guys that uh, you know, at least coaching in the pros now, is that when you're hurt and your number one asset is your first step and ability to get in front of the cup, and you're hurt, like, and I know he had some hip and like middle body kind of injury going on, the ability for you at that point to turn the corner increases exponentially it's exponentially harder to do and so you're going to see some poor decision making skills from a guy who when he scored 42 and 33 his sophomore year was able to do it consistently and can't do it anymore that's a tough blow you know, you know, I just the, don't best, know you know who the best in the country is at it in my opinion justin gooding who well that's that's a nice segue at because we're going to go on to All duke right. right now how bright is the future for duke and do they not only make the Final Four next year, do they go back to the National Championship? No, they don't go to the National Championship next year. They lose They lose some do players. They, not too dissimilar. Who? They lose Jack Bruckner. That's, the only reason Jack Bruckner has 48 goals this year is because of not, Justin Gunning playing 46 reason. of them. Not the only reason, but certainly... And he was hurt all the way down the road. They, that's, they, they lose a guy that was a proven goal scorer for four years there, in my opinion. They lose Kyle they lose I think Kyle that's a replaceable Rowe, position. Best face-off guys in the country. Um, they, that I don't they disagree lose, with. They uh, lose Zanker, Pally, Dunn, and their goalie Fowler, who was an All-American. Right? They, 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 lose, they lose a lot of players that were four-year guys for them or two- or three-year starting guys for them. That's... That's a hit. You know, maybe the guys that they plug in behind them are better. And that happens, definitely. Um, but that has, we have to see that happen, right? And, but they do return Gooderding, who, let's face it, is going to be in a situation the way that I think Dylan Malloy was this year. It's going to be, t- I, I think it will be tougher, tougher. How, how do you see that, though? You've got 96 points from Justin Gutterding. Take out Bruckner, 66. You've got Joey Manown, who's a freshman, at 39 yeah. points. That's a lot of points coming back. You got Brad Smith, he'll be a junior. He's got 39 yeah. points. You got Sean Lowry, who had the best end of season. I think he had four yeah. goals in the last he two was, games he played. He had 23 he from the, was, from he the was midfield. He very impressive. Brad Smith. Uh, look, you got Riley Walsh is another guy that Kevin yeah, Quigley. Listen, you got Mitch Russell coming back as a senior, and then you've got everyone else on that defense coming back. Well, Pally's not coming back. Zanker's not coming back. Pelton's coming back, who didn't actually play a lot this year. But you got Cade Van Rappahorst coming back. You've got the kid Giles Harris yeah, coming back. Those two I mean, guys are coming back. These guys. Yeah. They're, that's that's enough. And then on top of it, you're recruiting like Duke is recruiting. 
Good luck. Yeah, but you asked me if I think they're they going can, to the they final can plug four. in freshmen. I don't think they're going to the final four. Next year. They were now. I know they were. They were what? Ten goals shy, or I think Albany, you know, they were about ten goals shy again. The final four next year. Well, then here we go. We're going to go to the next one: Maryland versus Albany. For Albany doesn't lose much. They lose Osika and Drake, but they add to Hoka Nanticoke. And I don't know if you've ever yes, seen him play. He's incredible. Um, where does Albany fit amongst this? Albany. Yeah, TD Ireland coming Albany back as well. I mean, that's better, right. They get, like you said, they, they might get better. Sika, uh, ben Drake are, are the glaring losses that they have, but they have TD Ireland, their freshman faceoff stud back. Connor Fields, who's a Toronton candidate, maybe will win the award back. JD Colaruso back. Their whole starting defense back, and they just came off a season where uh, you know they made it to the quarterfinals and are starting to think about national championships, right? And and that's a big uh, that's a big stepping stone and, and they're perhaps a year behind Ohio State that way, right? Ohio State had a, they were close, a couple of quarterfinal losses and now they find themselves in the final four and I think they're gonna ultimately win on Saturday and I think that they're gonna be in the final game and, and um, I think Albany is, is essentially where they are. I think next year Albany makes it to the Final Four, I do. I think Duke goes to the Final Four. I think Albany potentially goes I'll to the Final you, Four. I'll I just still think Albany that goes farther than Duke and loser has to wear a Jimmy Harkin shirt. And a Jimmy Harkin mask. I, I'm and in a on Jimmy that, Harkin mask. Well, then we got to go to the, the store down the street from Jimmy Harkin to get those masks. I know they sell them cheap because he uses them often. Uh, right. I, I, think so, should, I think Jimmy Harkin should have to wear a Jim McGreevy mask with a shirt that says Jimmy Harkin on the back. That's what I think. Jimmy Harkin said that that he agrees that the age-old discussion that a lot of guys get robbed in the All-Americans is, is legit, but he also added that they also need an All-American Scout Bitch category too. So. <laughs> And he said, all my masks are really good looking, so you might as well uh, wear them. I like yeah. it, Jimmy. I like it, Jimmy. Um, so I, I don't agree with you at all. I, I think that Duke is a far – like, look at how much we trashed them at the beginning for being a young team, starting a lot of young players, and look where they ended right. up. And it's a lot of the on the heels of Justin Gutterding, who's got another year to prove himself. And think about the chip on his shoulder when he doesn't get all the awards he thinks he's deserving of. Um, I, I think that – you know, Duke with the youth, I think that they are poised to make a Final Four. Now, Albany, I think that for a lot of different reasons, they just, they're going to find themselves not in a position unless they up their schedule to get a better seed in the tournament that they're going to end up going against another team like Maryland again next year. Like, if they up their uh, out of conference schedule to the better teams, they'll get better seeding if they win those games. And they don't see, you know, they'll see a Towson or a Penn State in the middle of the tournament as opposed to seeing Maryland in the quarterfinals, which we all know how that happened. So I I agree. I think that they get better next year, but I don't know if it's going to be enough to overcome the schedule discrepancies that they have that force them not to or don't allow them to get a better seed in the tournament. An eight seed was kind of a gift in my opinion. I don't know. I don't know. 
Either case, we're going to take a quick break here. When we come back, we got coaches and players of the weeks. We got last week's picks and see where we are coming into the Final Four. And of course, we'll pick them to finish off the show. We'll be right back. No matter what comes your way, the Sisu Next Gen. Sisu, talk, breathe, drink. Beekman Golf Course is one of New York State's most spectacular full-service public golf facilities. Located in Dutchess County and only an hour north of New York City, the 27 holes wind their way along the Taconic, through the valley, and over the highlands with spectacular views that have made the course famous for over 50 years. With three nine-hole courses to start on, players enjoy fast play and easy access to tee times, even on weekends. Book your next round at BeekmanGolf.com. Let's play today. That's BeekmanGolf.com. At Sisu, we take a very scientific approach to making sure our technologically advanced, doctor-developed, scientifically-backed, industry-changing mouthguards are the most protective, lightest, talkable, breathable, comfortable, drinkable, remoldable mouthguards on the planet to guarantee you're protected. <clears throat> no matter what comes your way, the Sisu Next Gen. Sisu. Talk. Breathe. Drink. This call is being recorded. All right, all right, all right. We're going to finish off the show here, AT. We're going to go straight to our players and coaches of the week. I'm going to start mine off with the – actually, you know what? We'll start you off. You're going to go coach of the week, AT. Who was your coach Uh, of the week? You know what? It was between two guys for me. And my runner-up was John Tillman, who I just tweeted out, is starting to look a little bit like Roy Williams from North Carolina. That's a side note. Um, <laughs> but uh, my coach of the week is Sean Nadalin from Towson. I mean, how can it not be? They, they, they open up the tournament with an unranked win, or going into the tournament unranked and beat Penn State, and then they follow that up with a 10-7 drubbing, really, of Syracuse and are this year's sort of underdog going into the final four. So Sean Madeline is my coach of, coach of the week. I love it. Assistant coach of the week has got to go to John Orson, defensive coordinator for Denver, holding Notre Dame to just four goals on the game. Uh, what a throbbing that they put on uh, Notre Dame, and a large part of that was, of course, you know, Baptiste doing a lot of his work. <coughs> Jesus. At the faceoff X. <coughs> oh man at the face off X but uh, when they did get it down they didn't do much so <coughs> John Orson my assistant coach of the week AT who's your player of the week uh, this came down to five different guys holy uh, shit my in the running were Eric Fennell five goals two assists uh, from Ohio State and they're 16-11 don't say my guy you better not All say right, my guy I you know my guy then I am yes I do know your guy I'm not I don't have him uh, also in consideration was Joe Sider, four goals. Matt Rambo at four goals yes. and four assists in his 18 to nine win. Connor Kelly, five goals in their 18 to nine win. In the end, though, the game that that shocked me the most with the score of 16 to four, DU's win over Notre Dame. To me, it had to be Trevor Baptiste, right? 21 for 22 or 21 for 23 at the X, one goal, and just flat out prevented. Notre Dame from even having the ball. I mean, it's 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 just unheard of his performance. And so, Trevor Baptiste, my Player of the Week. 
What do you have? Uh, I love it, and I, I love the fact that Trevor Baptiste is your player of the week in the quarterfinals, taking them to the Final Four, but yet he's third, and you're running for towards on. <laughs> I love it. Uh, my player of the week, Matt Hoy. At Ahoy, 12 saves, 63%. Uh, big, big game. And for a team like uh, Towson or Syracuse, who basically, um, you know, who basically. Did I go out right there? Thrives. Yeah, yeah, you went out, but you're good. Nice. Doesn't matter. Uh, who A team like Syracuse who thrives on coming back, one of the biggest factors in that game is the ability for the opposing goalie to make stops, big stops, at the end of the game. And that's what Matt Hoy did uh, and stopped that run from Syracuse to hold on to a 10-7 victory. Uh, So Matt Hoy, 12 saves, 63%, is my player of the week. AT, last week's picks. Rock and roll. Well, as you know, there were only four games. um, And ironically, our game, so eight possible bets. We each finished with four wins and four losses. We each had Maryland in the under. I thought I had a push. What's that? I thought well, I had a push. Because we both had. Uh, well, that's not a loss. That's a 4 3 and that? 1. Then, right? 4 3 and 1. Yes. 4 3 and 1. So, uh, in short, I had Towson in the under, and I got two there. You had Syracuse in the over. You missed. You had uh, Denver. In the over, I had Notre Dame in the under, and it was DU in the push. So you got one, and neither of us got losses. I got one loss and one push. Uh, Ohio State in the over, you had Ohio State in the over for two. I had Ohio State in the under, just one. And then Maryland in the under, we each got one point for that. So that brings us to the last two games. Final yes. tally. Uh, the final tally at this point, Ryan, uh, I was kind of disappointed that you followed up on that, um, is that <laughs> essentially it's 209 to 190 to 213 and 186. So you're up, you're up by four yes. still going into so only six points available left in the whole year. This is going mean, to, I'm going to, I'm going to talk about this comeback for the next 30 years. <laughs> Six points available. You're down four going into the last weekend yes. of the season. Wow. Wow. Uh, I'm feeling good about my picks. I could screw you too. I could just pick every single one that could. you do. And then it ends. But I'm not going to. Well, well I mean, in the end, I could if I if I believe it. We'll see. So uh, so I'm up. So this is going to finish out the show here. Uh, pick them. OSU versus Towson. Can Towson win faceoffs and stop the Buckeyes on offense? Are they going to get a big enough lead on the Buckeyes to hold on here, AT? The line on the game is two and a half. The over-under, what, you have it in front of you. What is the over-under? What do you got this here, is a, This is a really good game, and I know what you're going to pick. So I am going to go off the board. Well, I, you know what? <laughs> See, I, I put myself in a position because I – before the tournament started, I had said that it's going to be Maryland beating Ohio State 12-11 um, in the national championship. So knowing that, I want to go with Towson because for this contest, I want to go Towson. Well, you can still pick the line on Towson. 
It's a plus two and a half. That's some good cushion yeah, room right I'm gonna there. I'm going to take Towson, and I'm going to take the under. I don't care about optics. I don't care about Ohio State. I'm going Towson <laughs> in the under because I know you're doing Ohio State in the over. Of course I am. Of course I am. I'm doing uh, Ohio State. I think Ohio State runs up big in this. I think that they, unlike most of the games they play, they probably want to slow down the game and do their methodical. This one, I think that they want to get up and down because um, I think that that's where you know Towson's advantage is, especially if they can win faceoffs. The health of uh, Mr. Woodall is going to be important uh, in this, although he went vital. And then Wood- Woodall, very listen. I think Withers is. I think Withers is one A out there with Baptiste certainly being considered the best guy. I think his body work makes that undeniable. I got Jake Withers as the next best guy out there. Uh, the parallel that I drew to Jamie Monroe is that I think that it's a lot closer though than people think when you are looking at the difference between Trevor Baptiste and Jake Withers. I think they're way closer than people think. Um, I yeah, agree with and, that. and so uh, with that said though, there's a there is absolutely a chance that Alex Woodall beats Jake Withers at the X, and if he can do that, and Towson's able to play their game, which is what they've been able to do so far throughout the tournament and down the stretch of the season, it's not unrealistic to think. Remember, these teams played in the regular seasons, Ryan, and Ohio State won six three. I mean, six <laughs> to three, and that was the first legit win that Ohio State had the entire year. Up until that point, they had beaten Furman, Detroit Mercy, UMass, Jacksonville, Marquette, Bellarmine, and Cleveland State, and Marquette was not considered to win at that point. So they go. I think those are the same teams that, Michigan Listen, that's exactly right. Well. And, and that week, Ohio State ended up getting – some identity there with a 6-3 win over Towson right into a 16-7 win over Denver. It was a hell of a week for them. Um, look, and, and they could have that week again. Imagine they have that week again. They go beat Towson, and then one day, two days later, they end up beating Denver, and that's the season. Listen, not unrealistic. Um, but I, it's not. But I got Towson, and I got the under. Who do you got? That's a sick point you just made, is that they could have the exact same right. week as they had mirroring right. each other. During the scene, they already did it once. And I mean, um, Pat Myers, Nick Myers already stated that we've beaten three out of the four teams in the championship, uh, in the final four. Right. Uh, beat all of them. They beat all of them. We've already beaten them. Beat, beat them all. Beat three out of the four. They haven't beaten themselves yet. That's true. I don't, I, you they know what? They beat Dartmouth. themselves at Penn State. No. <laughs> <laughs> they beat themselves against Penn State uh, during yes, the regular yeah. season, the first Big Ten game of the year. They beat themselves that game, but they haven't looked back. And I think I mentioned after that game, they will not play like that again for the rest of the they, season. And look arrived. where they are right now. They've arrived. They've arrived. I've got OSU. OSU minus two and a half, and I'm going to take the over. And that's an aggr- the over, by the way, is handing yeah. you a gift. Yeah. It's handing you a gift. You're welcome. I've got a four-goal cushion Thank right you. now. <laughs> Under two minutes. Maryland, Denver. Face-offs will be a factor in this. But how slow does Denver play this weekend? And can anyone in that team stop Matt Rambo? Uh, no. Christian Bergdorf is certainly not going to stop Matt Rambo. Uh, Maryland is the better team. The question becomes, does Maryland make the adjustment and triple pull the face-off 
If they do, and they turn into chaos. Are you having a are you speed bathroom break in the middle like of your podcast? Yeah, I just had some Chinese food. I finished <laughs> up my Chinese food, so I wanted to sit down and make sure that they kill two birds with one stone right there, Ryan. Um, so I don't think that Maryland will triple pull Baptiste, and I think if they do, they're going to win this game comfortably. I can see them winning, you know, 12, 8, 12, 9, something like that. They're not going to be able to stop Matt Rambo. I think Bill Tierney knows that. I think Matt Brown knows that. Um, Trevor Baptiste is going to dominate the X unless they triple pull, and I don't think they will. So I am going to take DU. What's the line on this? this What's the line on this? I don't know. Minus one and 23 and a half. So I got DU in the under in the spirit of trying to clip you here. I'm I'm going to take Maryland here, and I'm going to take the under as well. I think twenty. I think twenty-three is a really big number for a game that I feel like the pace. There's going to be like five possessions in the first half uh, between both teams. I feel like Denver is going to play so slow. This between the two games, you're going to see the slowest lacrosse maybe in the history since Princeton back in the the trifecta there where they won the three national championships. You're going to see some very, very slow lacrosse this weekend. Um, but I'm going to take Maryland. I'm going to take the under as well. Um, I, I just don't – there's no way that the second team, All-American Christian Bergdorf, comes anywhere near stopping Rambo. And look how dynamic Rambo – very, very one-dimensional Rambo. He went in the Albany game. He started dodging from up top. Good luck for any pole trying to cover that – both behind the cage, from the wing, up top, you're going to see Rambo right. all over the field, and somehow like, you're going to cover him. It's like it's stopping right. Rambo from the midfield is like going bowling with your friends and trying to pick up the spare or trying to get a strike, and you leave one pin, and you take your face <laughs> and you stick it right in the hole where the ball returns, and you shut your eyes and start to count backwards from ten. And the next thing you know, you've got a bloody mucus-ridden snot box. Compliments of Matt Rambo. Good luck stopping that guy. That sounds like a snot box city. Oh, we're going to leave you on that one. Uh, in the meantime, enjoy the Final Four. Enjoy your uh, vacation this weekend. Uh, long weekend. Uh, make sure you check out all the games. It's really important that everyone tune into the games. The higher the ratings that we get, the more the next year, more lacrosse. Are, are these SPU guys in danger? The are our listeners in danger of getting an impromptu pre-national championship podcast on Monday morning? Uh, they are in danger of that. They could be. I mean, it really comes down to. I think we. I think we uh, owe them that. I think we. I think, I think we that's a that. given. Yeah. I think it's a given. What's your schedule like on given. Monday morning? It, uh, it looks pretty good. And you know what? Maybe we can try to squeeze on a guest. Yeah. Let's see who wins the games, an and maybe we'll uh, we'll secure guests. Last year we had Brian Doherty and Danny Radabaugh and Dennis Goldstein. Right. That's right. And so I think that uh, we might uh, we might have a surprise in store. Um, let's do it. I'm, I'm putting it in here. Yeah. I'm putting I, it in let's here. Let's do it. 
Look, he's already once it's in the calendar for Andy Towers. Right. It's, it's, in my, the it's my it's my start it's, item it's, to it's, get a USA Today. That's, that's always the start. That's the first <laughs> thing on my list. It's my start item. I know I can get that. Uh, so, Ten a.m. as 10 always. Yeah. Well, let's keep it the no, same. Nine no, a.m. Nine a.m. All right. Yeah, we'll keep it the same. So, in 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 the spirit of keeping this going, uh, nine a.m. Tune in next week, which is Monday, National Championship Monday. Uh, tune in at 9 a.m. for our pre-show uh, or pre-game thing. You know what? We could. What if I don't have anything to do Monday, AT? Okay. What if What if I came up? That'd be a great call. To To New Canaan, and we did a live couch love podcast that. with sponsored by UFO Lights. Oh, now I really love it. Now I really and. Love it. <laughs> and a twelve. So, stay tuned for what's going to happen on right. Monday. We might, we'll we might be you know it's real interesting you know on Monday, the, right? Of course, as always, check us out at In Your Face Lax on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all the uh, social media sites. Enjoy the weekend of lacrosse. We'll check back in you, uh, and uh, we'll see if we can get other people on the couch too. I think you live close by to a couple uh, guys that could make this podcast last yes. year really yes. interesting. Yes. Uh, <laughs> we can take care of that. Uh, thanks for the listen as always, and uh, uh, enjoy the games. Enjoy the weekend. Uh, enjoy the next 48 hours without in your face. We'll be back.